Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm the Alex. Well, I tell you, that joke certainly didn't get old. I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> and I'm Britton. And I tell you guys, I just wish these Teen Titans would go to the polls. <laughs> Trenchant. Br- Br- you stole it. <laughs> We, we just—I I need you to know—we actually discussed this joke while you were away at some point prior <laughs> to starting the uh, episode here, and where you, you just sniped it. You just came right in. One of us was going to try and fight for it, but man, you, you had it. You were on it. Very relevant to today's times. Um, <laughs> That's how you know we're not just co-hosts, but also friends. <laughs> this not week just, we are not just business partners. <laughs> we are talking about our very lucrative business. We are talking about uh, Teen Titans go to the movies. Uh, Alex, what are what are the scores that uh, some would argue lie? <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, I didn't say that. Tyler said it. So, uh, Teen Titans go to the movies. Uh, directed by uh, Peter Rita McHale and Aaron Horvath. Uh, came out in 2018, and it has a 91% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 71% audience score. Mm. Hello. Now we officially know, because, I mean, we, we hadn't figured it out already. Rotten Tomatoes is a broken system. <laughs> uh, the, the critic score for this is higher than Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> um, I, I'm done. We're, we're, we're good. We're calling it. It's fine. We're not getting to 250, folks. <laughs> Teen Titans go to the movies broke me. We didn't even get to 249. Uh, <laughs> um well that okay, I will go first with best and worst if that's okay. Sure. Um because I, I I read a I read one review which, as we all know, every critic is a monolith of their entire community. Mm-hmm. And it was, I believe, Brian Tellerico on Roger Ebert's website, and he he talked a lot about how much like he has young kids and he was like, well, I so he kind of knew what the show was from them. And, you know, the kids really enjoyed it. And so he he liked the movie, but he was also talking about how his kids reacted to it. So I feel like I kind of have to give this disclaimer up front before I do before we go forward that like the thing I kept thinking about in terms of my experience, the comparison that I can I feel is most fitful for this movie was New Mutants for me mm. where with new mutants i i talked about this in the episode that like it felt like such a ya movie it was so ge- it felt like it was so geared towards teenagers that i felt kind of weird trying to criticize it too much because True. i was like this is just not aimed at me um i will say i like this movie more than new mutants there i said it uh, at times i feel like new mutants is barely a movie um and i i i did uh, have some enjoyment with this this one is so clearly for kids and i don't mean that in a condescending way i think kids media is awesome i love it uh jesus i'm jealous of it (laughs) that's from in the heights and i uh sorry (laughs) you know this movie really got me interested in rap What what can I say, guys? I'm really I'm really into hip hop and rap now. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result of Teen Titans Go to the Movies, no, um, yeah, teen rap. It's called trap. Anyway, they, uh, 
the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I, I don't know. I, I understand. And I really do feel like kids of a certain age around like, especially around like nine or 10, I'm sure they're going nuts for this thing. And that's, that's awesome. I did not go nuts for it, but why should I like to say this movie didn't fully entertain a 32 year old childless man is not a criticism of the movie. You know, because so I really don't want to come at this movie as though I went to a vegetarian restaurant and complained that they didn't serve meat. It's like, well, what did, well, what did you expect? <laughs> um, that said, my best thing about this movie is, in a weird way, it's it's just kind of that it exists. Because I really like that there's a version of these characters out there that is so explicitly for kids. That's not just like the kid version. Not That's not, like, we have a, at the library where I work, we have a ton of like, board books and basic readers about like Batman defeats Clayface or whatever, just mm-hmm. really simple, basic intros. They, they, you know, excise anything darker or, or violent about the characters because it is just, it is for little, little kids. And that's awesome. And then obviously you have your, your more standard versions of the characters, but I like that there's something kind of in the middle for like, okay, you're older. You're not quite to the point where you or your parents might be comfortable with you watching some of the the harder stuff, but you're certainly beyond, you know, basic readers and board books. So and Nick Jr. So it's nice that we have this thing to kind of thread that that needle, and it's a way to get interested in these characters without having to confront some of the more rewarding and when you're older or, or more challenging and when you're older more rewarding things. It could for a ten year old just be like kind of go over your head or could be traumatizing or something. I don't know. And so I like that it's there. Um, subset, best thing. I like that this is a big Hollywood, uh, you know, movie with a ton of big names in it, but the leads are all just voice actors. Mm-hmm. And that they all got their names, big neon letters in the credits with their character. I thought that was really cool. It was cool getting to see Kari Payton and, uh, uh, Tara Strong and like Scott Menville, their names in big Hollywood marquee letters because you don't get that. Yeah. Um, a lot of times voice actors talk about like, you know, all, all of the really big high paying voice roles tend to go to fa- to like on camera actors, and so it's cool that we have a movie that that cast that that kept those voice actors in the lead roles. Um, my my. I had like a good objective worst thing and I can't remember what it was. So I'll just do my subjective worst things, which are Beast Boy and Starfire. Um, <laughs> no, Beast Boy and, and a little bit of Starfire. Um, really, the only thing with Starfire is she says the in front of many, many words throughout her dialogue. Robin, that was the amazing. I cannot believe I am feeling the sadness. Just it was so much and it was so much for me. And Beast Boy... Oh, I remember my objective best thing, but I'll do this first. Beast Boy, uh, he talked like what a person, like a white person in the 90s would think like a rapper or a quote gangsta character would talk like. Mm-hmm. All of Beast Boy's lines are like, how's we get in, yo? They's don't know who they be messing with. It's all that kind of stuff. And it like. And he wasn't, you know, they didn't have him wearing like a grill and a big gold <laughs> necklace or anything. It wasn't that far, but it just kind of, one, it was just annoying. Um, but two, it just kind of made me a little uncomfortable. Um, sure. And he no, does not talk like that in the original show from what I remember. Right. right. Um, my my perception of this 
iteration of the characters is that they took the original Teen Titans or the former Teen Titans cartoon and just made them goofier versions of those characters without really changing them too much. Except for Beast Boy, they seem to have done this. Made him a Backstreet Boy. That's what it is. He talks, he talks like he's in the Backstreet Boys. That's what it is. Perfect. The Back Beast Boys. <laughs> the, back, the Backstreet Beast. Um, no, my my objective worst thing about the movie is that I I feel like I wanted more from the other Titans. I feel like the movie focuses so much on Robin, and you know, if you're a kid or, or anybody who's really familiar with this show, and you go into the movie, probably doesn't feel weird. You're like. Oh, I get tons of all these characters through the show and everything, and now this movie's really fo- focused on Robin. Great. This is just another, you know, story. Um, but for me, coming in without that that context, I guess, I was like, I, I feel like just from a comedy perspective, Beast Boy does, he can turn into any animal. Any animal? Any animal. And he... That, that you feel... I feel like that would lend you a lot of comedic opportunity that they don't really lean into... And like, I really enjoyed Tara Strong as Raven. I wanted to, I wanted more mm-hmm. of Raven in the movie. So it's like, I, I kind of wanted more of the, f- the full cast. I understand why Robin is the lead, but I would have liked if they balanced that a little more with, with some of the other characters. I, I feel like you have this cool opportunity and they could have leaned into it more. Um, I've rambled enough. There's a lot of other stuff we can break down about, you know, subjective complaints about the jokes and, and a couple of jokes that I liked. And it's kind of a musical. Who's next? Uh, speaking of that, I'm going to jump on that. Uh, my worst thing about the movie is that it's kind of a musical. <laughs> um, it, it, about half the movie commits to that. And it's kind of like more the first half and then a little bit towards the end. The actual, the, the rap they do to introduce themselves. I actually don't, I didn't hate it. Like, yeah, I think it's probably the best song in the the movie. There's a lot of bad songs. Maybe not a lot because there's not that many songs, but any other song in the movie is, is kind of just bad. And like, again, everything you said, Britain is exactly correct. It is a kid's movie. We are not the target audience where we have kind of just happened to stumble upon this as we're trying to be completionist about, uh, you know, doing superhero movies. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like a lot of the songs just don't, they, they are, they don't, they're not even catchy. Like they don't, they're not mm. even like annoyingly catchy. Like they sure. don't, they don't even have that thing of like kids music that like, you know, you hear it on a, a, a kid show and it well, just well, like baby shark, head. honestly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Some like, like it, it doesn't even have that element where it's like, I acknowledge you've done something here that makes me not want to stop thinking about it because something, my brain is, has latched onto it. It yeah. just like completely is not interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not very strong. Um, yeah, and I I was bothered by that. It made me sad because yeah, we, I think all our listeners know that we love a good musical. Uh-huh. Um, and it just the it just uh, I I have uh I recommended Inside by Bo Burnham recently. Uh, that is a comedy special, I guess. That all the songs from I I've listened to them again, time and time again, and they constantly get stuck in my head. So maybe I'm just like. I'm thinking of that. I'm I, maybe that's just like what's on my brain. So I'm I'm comparing it unfairly to something that uh, is, I think, a, a pretty strong musical piece of art. But mm-hmm. like, there there's lots of random one-off dumb songs in that, which is why I'm thinking of it. That 
are just completely silly, but they still get stuck in my head <laughs> and they're yeah. still like crafted well enough that I, I like listening to them, even though they're silly and meaningless. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about this is like, you, you couldn't, you couldn't even make me like remember <laughs> these. Um, it's kind of like some of the, the weaker um, Muppet movies. Uh, sure. Some of, some of those where it's just like the music is really not, at the forefront here and it probably would have been stronger if you just left it out and just tried to like give us more about the characters and i don't know yeah we'll need uh, to we'll need to go through and, and like break down a couple of songs because I, I don't want to sidetrack this too much but like sure. i do want to actually talk about each song in the movie yeah um because yes i agree um i think my best thing not not to stomp all over what you were just saying about big name voice actors i think my best thing's probably will or I like Willard oh, sure. a lot in general. Uh, it's not even that he does anything particularly amazing in this movie. It's just he's he is Deathstroke, and I think he's fun. I think mm-hmm. I was neat. I, I wasn't expecting him to be Deathstroke, especially because you could have cast him as Batman. Um, <laughs> but they made him they made him Deathstroke, and they made him the villain, and he gets to do fun things with the Titans, where he pretends to take his thumb off uh, and stuff, and like blows their minds. Very silly, fun kid things that I think are I think those jokes work all right. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's usually fun when he shows up in things. And maybe it's just because I've recently been watching Lego Masters, and <laughs> so it's just on my uh, on my brain because he's a, a a fun host on that who just makes a ton of dad jokes. Um, but I don't know that that's that's where I land on that. I think he's he was the part that was most memorable to me. Memorable yeah. to me. I don't know. No, I agree. I, I thought he did a fun job because it wasn't anything particularly new from him, but like mm-hmm. it was reliable. <laughs> yeah. And I guess Kristen Bell. I, I, sure, sure. I say big name voice actor. I mean, he. I think more than most others in Hollywood. That I mean, like I I mentioned last week, I was watching Invincible, finished it, mm-hmm. loved it. It's great. Yeah, that show is like it has a lot of voice actors filling in kind of smaller roles, but like every big role is they had to get somebody huge, and it's really yeah. fun to watch them show up and be like, oh, that's this person. Yeah, but. I was bothering me a little bit because it was like, these aren't, you know, people who really work and would love an opportunity like that uh, to be a voice actor. Um, and Will Arnett, uh, you know, he's, he's Bojack Horseman. Like he's, he, he has done a ton of voice work. And I think that's something that he is. I mean, it almost feels like maybe he's pivoting more towards that. I don't know what the last movie he was in live action movie he was in was. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, no, I agree. He's a very good voice performer. Mm hmm. Uh, just uh, a little bit of context. I probably have the most nostalgia for the original Teen Titan show. Uh, I, I watched I watched that quite a bit when I was I was growing up. I would say I have. I, I didn't mention this, but I same pretty pretty strong. Maybe maybe not as much as you, but like I I loved that show when I was younger. And that show wasn't perfect, but I think that that show was able to blend kind of the more goofy, over the top elements with the serious stuff fairly well. Um. Mm. Of course, now I could go back and watch it and be like, wow, this is this is not aged well. Um, sure. I, I probably liked this the least. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with false expectations. Number one, I, I remember getting a lot of really high critical praise when it came out uh, and kind of, you know, reading into the subtext of, oh, they're making a movie about the Teen Titans. And it's it's very much about that. And it's trying to be a meta thing, um, you know, commentary about superhero movies in general and and kind of a uh, where where uh pop culture's obsession with superhero media and that type of thing um so between that and 
my my enjoyment of of the original Teen Titans show. I had kind of higher expectations for this. I have not seen the Teen Titans Go TV show. Um, I know there was kind of a, a big bit of a backlash from from kind of older fans when it was first announced because if I remember correctly, the original Teen Titans show leaves on somewhat of a cliffhanger. So a lot of people have just kind of been clamoring for that for years. And then to get this announced instead, mm. I kind of understand why they were frustrated, <laughs> but I don't, you know, I, I, I haven't, I, I don't have an opinion on the, the Teen Titans go show itself. Um, that being said, I didn't like the movie very much. Um, I, I put in the group chat that I, I was like 20 minutes in or, or however long. And I, I said, I think I might hate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't think I hate it, but I definitely didn't like it. Um, in terms of a best thing, I'll go with just the animation in general. I think it's a very good looking movie. The animation is very slick. Um, I like that they take a lot of influence in terms of the references. They have a bunch of different art styles. Um, particularly like, uh, one thing that sticks with me is when they're making the Robin movie and they kind of have that montage, there's a bunch of different little references to even like art styles for, for like titles of comic books, just like Mm -hmm. cover titles. Um, and that was really neat to see. And they, you know, they, they replicate they in, a ton of uh, comic book covers. Yeah. In different designs and stuff. It's pretty fun. Yeah. And they, they pull in the 89 Batmobile as influence. So they're like, they're drawing mm-hmm. from a bunch of different places. And of course, Nicolas Cage is voicing Superman. So that's a fun little Easter egg. Um, but yeah, the animation overall, like it's very, it, it it's a, it, it's pleasing to the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst thing is going to be that it's a comedy. I didn't find it very funny. <laughs> um, I, I, found I, need, I need one of those ki- dramas for kids. I found it mostly annoying. Um, well, the, the, the thing is, I, and I, I think it's just, it is kind of unfair because we, we have kind of set ourselves up in a way where the only animated movies we've done for the podcast are the Toy Story movies and Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Right. Now, that being said, I know there are other animated movies out there and not everything has to be as kind of, you know, grandiose as as Toy Story and and, and Mask sure. of the Phantasm in terms of what they're going for and themes and such. Um, so I, I do understand that this is very much made for little kids. That being said, I don't think this works either in terms of the satirical elements for adults mm-hmm. or the humor hitting for adults as well as kids. Um. I thought I there was just kind of a weird issue I was having while I was watching the movie in terms of like I feel like there is something clever the movie's trying to say but if it is trying to say something it's not hitting the adults because the jokes are so dumb and I I just found a lot of it very very frustrating um and I don't even know why they had the satirical elements in here cuz kids aren't going to pick up on that yeah that was a big thing that I I found myself thinking a couple times is like, who was that joke for? Because it's not, it's just a reference. It's not really funny to adults. Yeah. But kids I, wh- aren't going to like know where they're, why that is in here. Yeah. I mean, it, and it got to the, the gag where they, they decide to go and travel back in time to eliminate all the other superheroes. That way they're the only ones that'll get a movie. And it was fun to see like, Oh, they used Marlon Brando, Jorel when they go to Krypton. Mm-hmm. That was fun, I guess. But mm-hmm. they have like this whole extended scene where they're charging up like tricycle time machines and back to the future, the theme is playing. And then 
it's not power of love but it's the other huey and the Lu- huey yeah, lewis in the new song that's used when they're going through their montage and the whole time i was like i feel like i just fell into an episode of family guy like this is made for people <laughs> with severe add like i i don't i don't understand um and I, I feel like the movie has a lot of opportunities to be kind of clever and, and subversive in, in, in certain ways. But I don't know. I was also kind of getting Deadpool vibes and not just because they keep calling Slade Deadpool, which is that fine. That bothered me a lot because Deathstroke doesn't really look like Deadpool um, that that much. And I I don't think anybody's really thinking that. These I don't know like like they they make jokes about the fact that Deathstroke was created before Deadpool yeah and Deadpool was like actually I think a parody or a satire of Deathstroke mm-hmm. like if, if they just go on with that gag so long and it it feels like they're almost defensive about oh people are gonna think this is Deadpool and it's like no it's fine kids don't care I, yeah. I I I probably told this on the podcast before mentioned this on the podcast it's not that exciting of a story but i have been i have this very like uh particular memory burned into my brain of watching the dwayne johnson race to witch mountain Mm. and there's a dude in like a there's i guess like an alien in a suit of armor and i remember there was a kid in front of me and he he saw that back in i guess that was like 2010 or something like that and he's he was like iron man Kids are going to do what, like, kids are not going to, <laughs> they they don't make the connections of, like, oh, who's Marvel and who's DC. Sure, sure. Like, if they're going to mistake something, they're going to mistake something, and it's fine. They'll think it's neat. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like there were some weird things like that where it was playing on DC jokes in jokes that were neat. It was playing on stuff that was like, oh, that's that's fun that you lampshaded that. But then it doesn't really do anything with that that makes it interesting it, it just sits on it and then it's like kids are not going to be that entertained by this they're going to be like okay it's not deadpool got it and well, i also like... hope that kids don't know who deadpool is in, uh yeah well, I mean... in, in the sense that this is these seem to mostly be referencing the deadpool movies with ryan reynolds yeah. and i hope kids haven't seen those movies because <laughs> you see everything <laughs> No, I, I like I, people I, kissing. Ew, <laughs> Alex. I just had oh, I just had dinner. Um, <laughs> I, we have these two big stuffed lions in our library that are from the uh, uh, kids show Between the Lions. Mm-hmm. Frequently, kids come in and they're like, "It's Simba and Nala," and I'm halfway through my diatribe about how they're wrong before I'm gently <laughs> ushered out of the room. But like it's it's but you're right. I mean, kids are just they're gonna see it. They're gonna think it doesn't matter. <laughs> like we're good. Yeah, I, I mean, th- there were some jokes that that I genuinely found funny. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it was more subtle stuff. Um, like the the big premiere that they go to is Batman again. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was like okay, you're doing something. You got you, you got oh, it. Right. It's right there. The, <laughs> the sequence. Uh, and I guess we're just kind of getting into. Did you finish your best and worst thing, Alex? I, I was wrapping up my my worst thing. Um, the other oh, gag that I wanted to call out was at the end when all the mind controlled heroes are chasing them through uh, mm-hmm. the Warner Brothers lot. Um, which Warner Brothers seems obsessed with doing that with a lot of their stuff, where it's like we're doing a meta thing where we're actually on the Warner Brothers lot, and they even call out Animaniacs in the yeah. movie. And yeah, um, also don't show the Animaniacs. Which yeah. Is like, 
That would have been great if they showed up in the third act. Um, yeah. But there's the bit where Batman's driving in the Batmobile. They blow it up. It turns into a motorcycle. They blow that up. He, he's got like a pogo mm-hmm. stick. They blow that up. He's got roller skates. That's a good gag. That is but very, they, very good. Y- you stopped before the best one, which is that they blow that up. And then he's just riding Alfred. Like Alfred's oh, yeah, there, yeah. he's riding on his back. It's a good one. That's a good show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I don't want to say that the movie was completely devoid of any humor that I found anno- uh, found enjoyable. But, like, they had the extended gag of them being like, oh, we we just use the bathroom. And they're like, no, that's a fake toilet. Oh, God. And then it's like everyone has to do that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah, that one bothered me. <laughs> Partially because I don't like jokes like that. But, yeah, it just would not let up. Uh, the last thing I'll leave off on is I did not like any of the musical numbers. I found the rap horribly grating. Um, <laughs> and why did they not use the original theme song? from teen titans because it is awesome um and they even yeah. have it a little bit in the score but they don't actually use the the puffy amiyumi song and the song sure. is wonderful i i mean i think that's probably just they want to keep it distinct and, and have the show have its own thing going on well that's and, also that's that's something that confuses me in, in terms of of this and you know it, it maybe if i watched the teen titans go show it would make sense but in terms of like so it is a new thing but at the same time, you're taking the general aesthetic from the Teen Titans show and the voice actors. Yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, um, I didn't like it. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> sure. I these are the jokes that I liked. I liked the, when they're doing the Batman v Superman gag where they go, "What was your mommy's name?" Martha, Mama, and they're crying and whatever. I didn't think. Okay, I get it. But then he says, wait, what's your dad's name? Thomas. Mine's just Jonathan. And they start fighting. Like, that was funny. <laughs> it's very good. The the one joke that I think, there's probably more than one, but the one joke that actually made me laugh out loud, like, vocally, was after the upbeat uh, song about life, upbeat inspirational song about life, whatever, um, the white tiger that's been ch- performing the song, they run him over with their car, and they just stare at him, and there's a moment, and then Cyborg says, I think his dad is a cop, and then they run away. <laughs> like, that was so weird <laughs> and, like, yeah. so contextless, but I was I, like, that's funny. I, I don't know that that, that one landed for me. I was very confused. It's just such a strange <laughs> That moment. is also very Family Guy, I think. Yes, yes. <laughs> what is Rob- Robin's, uh, he starts having, like, a catchphrase, which... I don't care about oh, the catchphrase part, but after that it. he goes "caca." Yeah, and he does that. That that got me as well. Yeah, crack an egg on a caca. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about these songs. So I think I can think of three because they do the rap twice, and and the upbeat motivational song about life and my movie, my movie, my superhero movie. There might be another one, um, but I yeah. The, the rap of the best. Thing, I, I I agree. I didn't hate it. Like. I don't know that I can defend it as being great yeah. or entertaining, but I didn't hate it. And partially because it kind of reminded me of like in the nineties, like tiny tunes that would do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It was stupid. And I kind of knew that it was stupid. And then when they use it again in the, in the finale, I was like, all right, you know, I get it. And <laughs> yeah. in the opener, you're using it to introduce their, them as they're doing their powers. And then, or no, no, no. At the beginning, they're introducing him. At the end, they're they're rapping about themselves, why they do their powers. Like, all right, you got me. That's fine. 
But the other two numbers were so frantic, not just the songs themselves, but the upbeat motivational song about life performed by Michael Bolton. So parents can enjoy it um, (laughs) was so weird because it looked like what it looked like early YouTube and what people still Mm -hmm. think YouTube is, where it's just a bunch of totally random things and rainbow colors, animals playing instruments. There's one photorealistic dolphin and then everything else is a cartoon and it's like a meta song about the song they're currently singing, which like I get it, and, something rotten, I get it, but and that's the big thing for me is that one in particular really turned me off because it was like this is supposed to be a meta song lampooning something, right? But they don't hit it nearly hard enough to be like this is, you know, the montage song. Like there I I can't right, do that off right. my head. I know there's movies or stuff. No, well, um actually, actually, Gravity Falls is a hmm. show uh that I one adore. Um but also it I was thinking about it a lot during this because I think there's things that this movie tries to do like the when they're doing this song and there's all these crazy random things on the screen. Um there's some really similar things that Gravity Falls does sometimes. Sometimes one of the main characters, Mabel, uh does some bad fun dip candy and like Mm. has a hallucination about a dolphin with eight arms (laughs) and it's insane and amazing um and i think there are times when it's trying to do some more like wacky oddball humor like that that does not land nearly as strongly as that show does which is a show that completely adults can just watch and like enjoy because it's really funny um but that show also has a lot of um songs that it, it doesn't use them that often, but every time there is a song, it almost always is something that I can immediately think of and remember. Um, and there's one where, where Dipper uh, is training. Oh, maybe I can't. I Now I'm now I'm questioning myself because I might also be confusing it with the Phineas and Ferb bully song. Mm. <laughs> that actually might be what it is. You know what? I'll, I'll pivot and go with that. <laughs> um, because that one has a song that is literally a song about a montage where it's like an 80s Rocky song. Yeah. Um, and they're going, he's a bully. And <laughs> at one point, like the, the narrator is basically singing it and like is talking about the fact that it's a montage and he's like, yeah. you got to get up to the fight or whatever like it's perfect it's exactly like that is how you do a meta song like that is that you know exactly what you're going for you you nail it you make the sound exactly right and then the lyrics themselves are actually you know playing with the fact that yes this is a thing a lot of movies do this one like i can't think of a one-to-one comparison that the song that they were trying to do in this movie matched with like i don't i don't know what exactly they were trying to make fun of here because yeah. the musical identity was so like I don't know we're just we're just singing a thing. What it, it was yeah. so not crafted. I don't know. I, I, I feel it, like I'm being so mean to this poor kids movie, but I don't know. It just fascinated me because like I don't think it's that difficult to make music that again is at least annoyingly catchy. Sure. <laughs> and I don't know. Well, and the other one that I thought of is the opening of Muppets Most Wanted. We're doing a sequel. Mm-hmm. Like, that was pretty clear. I, I think the thing that got me about, well, all of the numbers in this is that, and I understand it's kids, and it, so it's hyperactive, and there's a lot going on, but, which it doesn't have to, but I understand that's what they're going for. But it's so overwhelming and breathless, but not in, like, an effective way, and just to, like, I get, oh my god, there's so much happening, stop. But it just never really landed on something, and I think about something like Book of Mormon, 
which has a lot of parody songs without being too overt. Like sometimes they're overt in what they're parodying, but it's not too too much. They they find that right balance. And then the my movie, my superhero movie, is not performed by Andrew Rannells, speaking of Book of Mormon, like I thought it was. But again, it's fine and it's probably got a t- I think my issue with those songs is just they're so fast. And I know I talk mm-hmm. fast, so I'm being hypocritical. But they're so I can't catch the lyrics, I can't catch the jokes, there's so much happening, but it doesn't I'm not really along for the ride. I'm just kind of like sitting there just going there you're just there's just images flashing in front of me, like I'm in that that uh cage thing in Watchmen, the miniseries. Like <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> and there's just so much happening and the song is so fast and overwhelming that like I can't I couldn't really grip into it. And similar with my superhero movie, I I don't know. These are all like hacky jokes that we've heard a million times. However, the kids haven't probably heard those jokes a million times. So a lot of the stuff in this that I I saw is like, oh, I get it. I know this joke. I went, well, of course I know this joke. But a a 10 year old probably they were they were using it on us when we were 10 years old. Like (laughs) the the jokes. Right. There's a reason they have it. They still stick around because exactly enjoy them. Elliot Kalin, a uh, writer and podcaster, talked about his son came over to him one day. He was reading a comic or something. And he was like, look, look, look what this character said. And the character said, what am I, chopped liver? Which is <laughs> the most hacky, rote, banal thing you could say. But his son was just like, I've never heard this. This is hilarious. And so I imagine, like, kids watching this movie may go, that's so funny. I've never, I, or even if they have heard that joke, they're not tired of it yet. So... I don't know. It's still frustrating because I feel like the joke is more, guys, we're, we're doing that joke. Yeah. Okay, but you're not actually doing it. No, but w- that's a funny idea, right? Yeah, but you need to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I uh, I would like to interject here real quick and say I was right. There is a training montage song in Gravity Falls, and uh, it is actually what I was thinking of because the, the, it it uses the lyrics that are like, you know, it's about a tiger or like it mentions a mm-hmm. tiger and a mountain and like it's talking about yeah. like, you know, climbing that mountain and stuff. And it's all very 80s. And then it starts getting progressively weirder. And like there's a part in the song where the narrator's just like, I don't really know what's happening in this part. <laughs> and like Dipper's doing something weird on the screen. So like that's the kind of thing that I'm thinking of where it's like I can remember that because that's a really funny joke from a song that was already memorable. So Yeah, it, yeah. you can do more. Be better, Teen Titans, go to the movies. Come on now. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll say this much. It's better than the entirety of season one of Titans. There you go. <laughs> okay. All right. Good bar. Which I somehow managed to get, get through. And Tyler I'm got thankful. through most of it, right? Probably. I'm thankful those Titans didn't go to the movies. Really? But they <laughs> but they did go to the polls. and sure, They're old enough. It's fine. Anyway. <laughs> Um, they're just exercising their civil right. That's okay. Look, they're they're 24 year olds playing like 14 year olds. It's fine. (laughs) Um, I, I, I did wonder kind of if, if just the premise of the movie makes sense. And it, it, it's kind of goofy to say this kind of thing because I know what movie I'm watching, but at the same time, I feel like they're actually trying to do something. And we also have a podcast where we dissect films. So I'm going to dissect the darn film. Um, I was a bit confused as to why the Teen Titans, like, why is that 
the group that you decide to label as like the losers that everyone in the superhero community kind of doesn't appreciate. Um, because if we're looking at this from like a meta perspective, people love the Teen Titans, like particularly that old show, like people have a lot of nostalgia for that. So I was, I was a little bit confused by, by that. Meanwhile, you've got the, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I I was just going to say like, you have challengers of the unknown right there (laughs) and you can't shut up about them. Make the movie about them. Um, I I think it's probably more to do with the status quo of the show because the show was very silly. I think that's probably more where that's coming from. And like, that's what they say is like, Oh, they're jokes. Like they're, they're silly and that's why it's it's very spongebob squarepants movie in a lot of ways but not quite as effectively done (laughs) and no david hasselhoff sure i guess my issue is just like the the meta-ness of it is very inconsistent i feel sure and i was also bothered by robin constantly saying i don't have a movie uh he does in fact have a movie with his name in the title it's called batman and robin he it happened Uh, <laughs> I'm actually I surprised say, they never reference it. Yeah, I would. I will say, kids would would have no idea that exists, uh, and that's probably they the also best. don't know who Marlon Brando <laughs> is, Tyler. <laughs> like, right? And I know they. We've talked about other things they've done that would only appeal to adults. But, but that's a, and the Marlon Brando things are more like they'll they'll just go that Superman's dad, but the the art, but it, it's it's the joke is the is the arts the the design of him and not yeah. someone going Marlon Brando's in this. Maybe this just should have been the opportunity to make one of the main characters like Beast Boy or Raven or somebody else, not Robin. Um, Because also, one thing I wanted to point out, Robin's arc in uh, Batman and Robin is about him learning to deal with the fact that he's constantly under Batman's shadow. Which seems to be the only Robin story we can do outside of comic books. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot like the fact that it's, it's hard to get away from doing the Joker when you're doing a Batman Sure. movie or story like it, it, it's it's very similar where it's like unless he, i mean this is why like i get excited about the mcu is because for all their call it formulaicness or, or whatever they're built they build enough of, of a foundation they can do weird stuff and they can get deeper and like if you're constantly starting over <laughs> then you're going to do the same story over and over because yeah. that's the easy thing to start with sure. and you want to do you want to do your take on it so that then you can do more whatever well, um, Tim- Timothy Chalamet's Robin, I'm sure, will have a really good yeah. movie. There, I've yeah. said it, so now it can't happen. I actually don't hate the idea of <laughs> Timothy Chalamet being uh, Robert Pattinson's Robin. I, or See, I gotta say, you know, I f- I feel well, like <laughs> Britain. While we're at it, let's 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 get rid of the other competition: Benedict Cumberbatch, Idris Elba, Christoph Waltz. You're all gonna be Robin. <laughs> <laughs> You lost me, and you won me back. Robin Ward. Yes, hello, Batman. I'm so excited um. to do all of my gestures with gadgets in the film. <laughs> I I did want to ask if the movie should have taken on more kind of jokes stabbing at superhero movie tropes. Like, I was thinking, why is there not, like, a giant blue laser in the sky at the end of this movie? Sure. Mm. Um, and things like that. I, I feel like the movie could have kind of added to that. And one thing that I, or Britain, I thought you were really going to appreciate is kind of their, the couple of jabs that they have of like, there's too many superhero movies. Like everyone's got a superhero mm-hmm. movie. Sure, and sure. kind of the fact that you go to the Warner Brothers lot and literally like that's all they're making is superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it's kind of the thing where it's just like, it's very observational, but they don't do anything with it. It's 
Yeah. And I, I found that horribly frustrating. So if they kind of inserted it in more, I almost thought going back to Deadpool, it, it kind of reminded me of some of my, my grievances with that, where they're kind of setting up jokes in a way about like generic action movie tropes, like the British bad guy or whatever, but they're not, they're not having any jokes that kind of cater to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, See, I, I thought there were just a ton of missed opportunities here, and, and instead they went for a five-minute-long gag where each of the Titans has to go use the bathroom. Right. Well, also, in, with, with DC characters, not that many have a movie. Yeah. That's... Right. Like, it's really just, like, Batman, Superman. Like, the new DCEU one's sure, but, like, mostly it's Batman and Superman. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, and, I will say like I respect this... this movie for not having the joker in it the joker is in it for like sure. a shot you see him sure. but and also respect this movie that uh batman doesn't isn't like a main character yeah the batman like is played by jimmy kimmel and has a couple of lines but he's not yeah. like a focal point right kind of odd um it, it and, and to your point alex it does kind of feel like this movie is approaching the titans in the same way that you would approach the guardians of the galaxy pre mm. yeah 2012 or whatever um yeah it is kind of a similar thing of like you're treating this like these are the characters who can't get a movie and are silly and jokes or whatever but like you're not you're not filling theaters with obscure you're not filling theaters with the challengers of the unknown movie like that's not i know it's it's a joke and an exaggeration in the thing but it would make a lot more sense if this was a marvel movie and that was a joke about like i don't know amethyst is a DC character. Never mind. Sure. I was going to say, if that was a joke about like the Eternals or something like mm, that, then mm, that's mm. like, okay, that, you know, they're obscure and they're getting a movie somehow. Uh, it's, it is weird when DC just keeps making movies about the same general characters and they keep making jokes about the Green Lantern movie being bad. <laughs> and it's like, yep, you're right. But, but in this it, one, it was fine. performed by Lil Yachty. Sure. I just want to remind everyone that uh-huh. Lil Yachty and Halsey were Green Lantern and Wonder Woman. <laughs> also, uh, didn't want to neglect, it is nice that Nicolas Cage is there playing Superman. That meta reference mm-hmm. to him almost playing Superman uh, in the Tim Burton film back in the late 90s. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, Use him for some like jokes. <laughs> they do do a, a joke. Another joke I liked is like, you can't do that to Superman. He's a national treasure. And mm-hmm. I was like, good mm-hmm. joke. Yeah. And that was it. What, like, I think the best, one of my, the, the best, I think, uh, 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 sort of summation of, of my feelings on the comedy and the movie are, there's a bit where they're walking across the lot and there's a janitor in the back who is so clearly Stanley. Yes. And he starts like waving really frantically and dancing around and mopping really frantically. And I was like, oh, that's funny. And then they walk past him. And then he shows up and narrates. So he's like, it's me, Stanley. I'm always in, I love cameos. It doesn't matter goes on and on and on and it is actually stanley and so of course like that is nice sure. now to hear that but it's the kind of thing that if the joke had just been him in the background dancing and mugging yeah. for the camera i was like i thought that would be a really funny joke that is i oh, not subtle but you know it's good you paste it right but then they have to drag it out for like minutes i i will say uh they redeemed that one in particular a little bit i think most of the jokes they don't pay yeah. off very well but that one did get me because I had the exact same reaction. I'm like, oh, he was, it was a fun background cameo. And then he shows up and then they're like, 
hey, this is a DC movie. And he's like, what? Oh, I'm sorry. I have to go. Yeah. And he leaves. And then he pops back up in the middle of the like golf cart chase later yeah. in the movie. And he's like, I don't care if it's a DC movie. I want to be in the movie. I love cameos. Sure. That was kind of fun. I like that. that yeah. yeah. And and again, the fact that it was actually Stan Lee kind of changes my, my feelings mm-hmm. on it. But just for, like structurally speaking, I feel like that's the kind of joke. Oh, it works so much better as a background gag. You really yeah. don't need to like go and go and go with it, um, which I feel like largely the movie does um and like there's a part where beast boy is like just talks about a burrito because that's funny pizza and tacos it's funny when characters like food correct i did like the gag of them going wait how are we gonna do this and raven's like oh i can make portals and they go oh portal right yeah like i thought it was kind of you know kind of cute because again i like tara strong and i like her as raven I think that was another one that kind of drove into the ground over time. Sure, sure. Is this the same voice cast as the other show? Yes. That's awesome. But at the same time, it's it's that weird connection where I feel like in terms of like kind of doing this this reboot, they kind of should have just cut it clean and gone for a new new design, new voice cast. Like, I, I don't know if this works. Yeah. For the show or for the movie? For both. I mean, I haven't seen the show, so. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think I, I can totally understand people being miffed at the beginning when the show is announced. But at this point, it's like, oh, this is just ultra, like w- a, one option of programming, you know? Sure. Well, also, it's frustrating because the after credit scene is like, no, the, the real Teen Titans are back. Sure. And it's like that. I'm not going to get that movie in theaters. And we know that now. Well, you also, know, that movie. movies, uh, movie theaters are out, man. All the movies are on your phone. <laughs> David Lynch burst through the door, um, <laughs> accompanied being held back by Christopher Nolan only barely, um, <laughs> until somebody says something about not sitting or sitting down on a movie set, and then Nolan's like, "All right, let me out." <laughs> um, I'm sure they're fun people. Um, they make. Good movies, I think, most of the time. Uh, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, that that did bother me because I saw that and I was like, "Oh, what is that a reference to?" When when I saw the after credit scene, and then I realized, "Oh, they they did a Teen Titans versus Teen Titans movie, and apparently it's not really connected to like the cliffhanger or anything like that from the first one." I I will say I don't remember much about like where that first run left off. Um. So, like, I wouldn't know what needs to be resolved, but I know there are a lot of people who are like, I'm obsessed with that show. I want to know. I want to get more content about that cast of characters. Um, And that sounds like that was not really a satisfying, (laughs) you know, revival of it. Um, So, yeah. I don't know. All I really know about that show is eventually there was a like a lady version of Danny Phantom on it. I think her name was Tara or not yeah don't know why she's a lady version of danny, danny i'm Fanny. just is she is she kind of i'm just remembering I the think costume the way they, vaguely in my memory i, I, don't I think between her costume and kind of the way they animate her powers it, it's i don't know did I, she, I see she probably did a lot of rock stuff huh yes yeah and danny phantom yes. did more like ghost stuff spectral stuff huh yeah. sure no oh, well i guess that's what crow tastes like no, that's not at all what I mean. Gosh, I really do have egg on my face. Crack an <laughs> egg on it. Caca. <laughs> uh, 
I, I think, you know, th- this movie, uh, comedies are weird trying to review a comedy because yeah. it, if, and, and this is why I, I think we've kind of steered away from doing comedies for the, for the most part um, on the show, because yeah, number one, there's cinema. not, there's not that many good comedic comedies or comedic comedies, <laughs> comedic <laughs> franchises. Um, like you've got the hangover trilogy, which obviously like declines in quality. And then you've got like nothing else. Police yeah. Academy. Um, the the vacation films the sure. vacation films um so so it's just kind of weird because if the humor just uh, didn't work for DC you dc extended universe <laughs> i mean that I was know. that was low-hanging fruit i mean i'm it, sorry it, Zack snyder if the Insidious. humor doesn't work for you then there's only so many ways you can say that right so uh, going yeah, into and likewise yeah and, and likewise if it does then yeah so going into this i i when the humor wasn't working for me i was going well what is it? What do we got in the story department? Sure. And we, it doesn't really have a story. <laughs> when the story itself is a joke, like the, the the whole thing, I think, is designed and engineered to make kids laugh. Yeah. Um, Which is a great, a great goal. Like, and, and I, I don't know. I feel like if I had kids, I wouldn't be upset with them watching this movie. I wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't sure. bother me. I will say the movie gets weirdly dark in a way that I wasn't really uncomfortable with where they're like they're, they they go back and to, to prevent all the superheroes oh, from yeah. becoming superheroes so they like save bruce wayne's parents they save krypton all that stuff and then great job but then they realize oh no things are worse we have to go back and do it again and so we go back to them like they almost kill baby aquaman and then they with uh with a, with a, be, a soda a, can a six pack yeah yeah ring yeah and then they put pearls on martha wayne's necklace and they push them into the crime alley <laughs> and i was like that's too much for me <laughs> like that's not for, like that's too dark for me it was more the aquaman one that i was like mm. yeah i think i think batman's origin is so like overplayed that that part and i was like oh, sure. that's a good gag um the aquaman thing where they're they're trying to like strangle baby aquaman and i was like this is yeah like that's a, a weird way to guys. take that have them <clears throat> i feel like the joke would make a lot more sense there if they did something similar with the krypton and they had like oh we don't we make sure atlantis doesn't sink and then oh we have to we have to knock atlantis back into the water to like that i think that's more yeah i don't know that, that was weird George was like i guess we're just gonna go find baby aquaman and uh <laughs> suffocate him, him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everyone else a... we can find a fun silly way to do it but not him <laughs> Yeah, it was just, some of that got a little too a little too dark from for for Britain. But otherwise like I liked that the, sh- the and aside from that and the the literal toilet humor joke, which is only like one part of the movie, I like that it by and large avoids that stuff. It's really goofy and silly and stupid and random and I mean crazy and hectic. But it there's not a lot of like there's not a lot of toilet humor, you know. It it manages to avoid a lot of that stuff, which I think is nice. Um, I think one other thing that frustrated me, Britain. I know you, you complimented the movie because it, it kind of took the characters that already existed and just made them goofy. Yeah. Um, well, I I acknowledge that was the goal. Yeah, 
I, I would argue that that is a, a that goes in the minus column uh, because I, I think there's a fine line there in terms of, you know, kidifying characters. Um, I think they go too far and just make them stupid. Sure. That does. That is another thing I think, though, that goes back to the show of just like if you don't like the initial premise of the show. There's no reason to think this movie would win, win you over. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, well, I, I think that's that's another thing that that I, I just kind of, you know, was scratching my head over because I remember distinct moments in the original show that are like super goofy and over the top and almost veering into this territory. Mm-hmm. Like whenever they 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 do get excited about going to eat food and like, oh, we're going to go to the pizza place. And it's like super hyper animated and it's yeah, very over yeah. the top. Like I remember them doing that. So the fact that they they stick to that 100% in this and then continue to dumb the characters down, like it, it, it was just like stacking yeah. upon each other, the, the changes that they were making. And, yeah. No, I no, I, I do get what you're saying. Um, I, another, I, I liked the gag that <laughs> rather than, so that Slade Wilson is Jade Wilson, like, okay, cool, mm. got it. I liked that the joke was not Jade Wilson was in the Deadpool outfit, but the or the the, the, <laughs> yeah. the Deathstroke outfit, but the Deathstroke was literally wearing like a human woman mask over uh-huh. his Deathstroke helmet, like yeah. that. I thought was a funny little uh, subversion, uh, if I may dip into the well of uh, Messrs. Benioff and Weiss. Uh, <laughs> the way it really, really Benioff, a, Weiss, and Johnson, please, and Johnson when I. <laughs> When I and you know, Bay, when I oh, apply <laughs> a, a, an objective third person critical lens to the film, and I see that they subverted, they take the trope of disguise and really turn it on its head. Uh, much like in the film, she's the man. <laughs> <laughs> also directed by Benioff and Weiss. <laughs> <laughs> that would but be yeah, funny if I, we I, went back and like they had a, a first draft pass at this. <laughs> what? <laughs> Um, but no, I, I thought that was like, that was, that was a nice little gag that like, he was just wearing, they pulled, pulled off her head and it was just a, mm-hmm. the Deathstroke helmet. And he says something about like my other, under the helmet, my other eye is crying. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> there's, there's, you know, there's some moments yeah. here. I was like, all right, the, all right. The one, the one that really got me, I think early on and had me more hyped than I should have been for the continued humor, um, was when they, uh, were sitting there. Uh, in the theater waiting to see if a Robin movie got announced and they, they showed the big R and Robin's getting really excited and it zooms out and it's Alfred and it's mm-hmm. like in the Dark Knight font <laughs> and then yeah. it's, it's Alfred cleaning yeah. windows. I think they make a joke about him being a grime fighter which yeah. is great. I love that. That's a good gag. Yeah, that was good. Um, and then they do a couple more things where <laughs> one of them is just we're making a movie about the car. It's just, <laughs> like, it's not even the Batmobile movie. It's yeah. the car. <laughs> and the utility um, belt. Yeah. Yeah. The utility belt one. So, that, I mean, that, that was fun. Um, I don't know. Th- there, there's bits and pieces there that are like, that works. Yeah. That's a, that's a good joke. But uh, a lot of it is. Yeah. Dependent on references and trying to poke fun at other superhero movies, but doing so in a way that, feels very tired yeah and and maybe maybe warner brothers only let them go so far (laughs) with maybe they're just like yeah this you know we're i mean you can say green lantern was a bad movie that's it (laughs) i i I martha jokes yeah we're distancing ourselves from batman for superman you can do that i i do wonder just based on warner brothers kind of 
past behavior, particularly with Mask of the Phantasm, where, you know, they said, you know, make it theatrical. Mm -hmm. Um, I do wonder if they planned this to be like, oh, we're doing like a 45 minute episode special as a part of the season. And then Warner Brothers was like, make that a movie. It'll be a meta thing. They're going to the movies. They're going to the polls. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And and they just said, oh, I guess we have to double the runtime then. This did... It, it did feel like one of those cases where even though this movie is under 90 minutes, it did feel stretched out. Mm. Is um, it under? I thought it was 84. just over. Okay. I, I wonder, too, we talked about the, the critical, the critic uh, response being so high. I wonder if this was a, a matter of so many critics went into this, maybe with their kids, maybe not, being like, okay, here we go, whatever. And then they're like, oh, they're poking fun at the just oversaturation of superhero movies. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah, actually, my I had really low expectations, and so I like it a lot more than I thought I did. And then, you know, the, the game of telephone that is the internet and word of mouth, it starts getting out because they start talking about like, oh, and it makes jokes about how many superhero movies there are, and maybe somebody used the word satire, which at this point is like, why does anyone say that word anymore? <laughs> um, I have said it. Uh, probably too many times in this episode. No, but, but no, it's just something that like, I don't know. I don't know what satire is anymore. It's like sure tech, not whatever SNL's doing. But like, sorry, but I don't like SNL. Um, I my I said that and like my heart started beating a little faster. Like Britain, don't say that. <laughs> They're gonna hear you. <laughs> as if that's not like the most popular opinion about SNL. <laughs> right, exactly. As as, as though I'm being controversial or brave somehow. Um, but like, anyway, r- measures Benioff Weiss and Johnson. Precisely, uh, and but having having said, having said that, um, all of whom are directors I respect. Continue, <laughs> but I I wonder how many. And so it becomes this game of telephone. Where people go, oh, this movie is satirizing and really taking to task, and they're probably really like, re- really getting it you know, detailed and thorough, and really like sticking it to super. Oh wow, this is going to be this really smart meta commentary. Do people start over expecting because of how, because critics had a like, oh, it's better than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And then people went, this is going to be amazing. And then, you know, like it never, maybe this movie is never doing more than it ever said it was going to do. Sure. But just the, everything kind of piled, like it's very, very hard to live up to hype because, especially if you are a movie that was not, was underrated. Like Dark Knight lived up to its hype, as I you know recall the hype being it, it lived up very much. But it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I wonder because I know I've had this with like restaurants before, where I'll go in and be like, "Oh, that food is better than I thought. We should go back there again." And then I'll eat it the second time, and I'll go, "Oh, right, I I overhyped it for myself." <laughs> that is normal food. <laughs> yeah, the food is fine. <laughs> um, so so yeah, I I wonder if maybe there was a bit of that. The critics were just like writing it off before they went in. And then were pleasantly surprised, or they saw how much their kids loved it, and they were like, "Oh, what the heck!" You know, sure, good review. I'm feeling, I'm feeling generous today. Sure. Um, I don't know. I I just had a realization. I think I just hate superhero movies that are Period. comedies. You, that, you, yeah, just stop. <laughs> yeah, just I think that. I think we found it. Specifically, superhero movies that are comedies that came out during the rest of 2018 after Infinity War, because. You've got Ant-Man and the Wasp, you've got this, and I'm including Venom as a comedy. (laughs) (laughs) That was a 
crying my eyes out of just just laughter at that scene where he gets in the lobster tank. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. When did Deadpool 2 come out? I think that uh, was 2018 as well. Was it? Mm? No, it was 17. It was 17. No, it wasn't because the first 2016 one was, was Deadpool, so I can't imagine they did that back. Yep, it was 2018. Oh, it was 2018. It was 2018. Yeah, so, yeah, the Infinity War got so dark and heavy at the end that the rest of the movies that year were just like, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll just put our feet up on the table and just relax a little bit, and they all sucked. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the first time when I saw the first Deadpool movie, and uh, I had seen bits and pieces of it from having worked at the theater and all that, and I pretty much knew what the movie was. Then I finally watched it, and I just kind of nodded and I went, that was cute. And that was my <laughs> review of Deadpool. <laughs> Which I don't hate. I don't hate that movie. But I was sure. like, yeah, that was cute. Cute movie. Which is basically what I said about Spider-Man Homecoming. Well, there you go. Sorry. Sure. Re- you know what? Let's just burn a bunch of bridges. Let's ruffle some feathers. Which was also 2016? Yeah. 17. Oh. Homecoming was 17? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm back on board. All right. Fair enough. Um, do we have anything else to say about this movie? If you want something in, you know, th- this this area of, like, DC comedy and stuff, just watch Lego Batman. I think it does mm-hmm. kind of everything that this movie is yearning to do, but just Be- better. Speaking of which, I uh, I looked up earlier because I had mentioned this. Uh, Will Arnett, uh, apparently, like, the vast majority of what he's done since Arrested Development has been voice work. I did not realize huh. that. Like, he's done, like, Lego things Batman. like Lego Masters where he's been, like, on the side, he's been in some television shows. It's like extras or side characters or whatever. But, like, apparently the last live-action film he was in was Show Dogs. So, which is mostly CGI, but he plays a real, like, a, a human. So, whew. I remember that movie. I remember hearing about it. Um, sure. No, I don't have anything. Shall we rate this, this sucker? I give it C a... minus. Oh, okay. You beat me to the punch. <laughs> Uh, I give it a D plus. Oh, yeah. I I didn't like it, and I can't. I can't even. I I I don't care if I'm being too mean to it. I didn't like it. <laughs> um, I'm also gonna go C minus because it's like C is the best way for me to go. I recognize that this is just not aimed at me, but the minus yeah. is like I also didn't have that. I didn't. I didn't have. <laughs> I didn't have a terrible time watching it. I watched it in one sitting. I was not sitting there like. Oh my god, when it yeah. this is so bad. It was not that reaction I, at all. I was just I was engaged and then towards the end I was like, all right, phone time. Like I'll just kinda I, let this thing happen in front of me. I will say that for it, and also it is the right length for yep. a kid's movie. <laughs> you know, like uh, it, it it was not I I, I unfortunately did have that viewing experience. I got about forty five minutes in and said, Oh no. <laughs> 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 Only halfway through. <laughs> Yeah. But it's fine. Everything's fine. Well, uh, <laughs> to help us transition as we move mindfully into our recommendation segment, I will also take this opportunity to say uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines is streaming on Netflix. If anybody wants to watch a very frantic Joker second animated comedy with lots of kooky uh, animation styles and jokes for multiple generations that is the way to go <laughs> um again <coughs> gravity falls uh, alumni yeah working on that movie mm-hmm. yeah gravity falls is awesome uh 
my recommendation is something of a whiplash tone shift. Um, so if is either it of you want whiplash, it is the whiplash. <laughs> um, if either of y'all have a uh, something to recommend that I can go, go second, for it, or... because similar <laughs> for me. Cool. So I okay. So I, uh, I I do have a movie to recommend this week. Uh, I finally got around to watching a movie. I was really I've been wanting to watch and finally pulled the trigger. It's and so I watched Antoine Fisher. This is a movie from 2002. It was the directorial debut of Denzel Washington, who he made Fences a couple of years ago, which I really liked. And after watching this, um, I feel I can certify we say Denzel's a pretty good director, and I look forward to him. I know he did The Great Debaters, which I haven't seen, but I want to watch him direct more movies. He's real good at it. Uh, so Antoine Fisher is about a, a Navy man who is prone to violent outbursts among his, his crewmates, and so he gets sent to the psychiatrist played by Denzel to kind of help him work through it and figure out what's going on. And it ends up uncovering this life of abuse um, at the hand, largely at the hands of, of women, some of men, and just this really hard life that has left him this sort of angry, bitter man. And it's about Denzel kind of helping him confront his past and move forward. And it is... I'm, 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 I really, really loved it. And it, I'm, it's the kind of movie that I feel like if it were made today, it would, I would almost be afraid that it would become overly politicized in the, in the talk, discussion around it, if not the movie, because, you know, I, I, it would be very easy for people to go, oh, yeah, women abuse men too, and turn it into this whole unnecessary comparison. And the movie doesn't do that. The movie is about, like, abuse is a terrible thing. This is what happened to this man. And it's a it's a true story, and the the movie was written by the real Antoine Fisher, um, mm. and for being um, someone telling his own story, and, and the movie's very upfront about like I think there's a, like a little uh, a title card or something that says you know this is based on his true story. Some of there are some characters and moments are fictional. It's a movie, it had, you know, it has to tidy it up a little bit, no problem. But it is so devoid of bitterness or even blame. It's just very clear about, like, these are the things that happened to him, and these are the people that did those things to him. And, but it's not about, it, it doesn't politicize it. It doesn't try to turn it into anything more than just, like, a story about healing. And it is a story about love much more than it is about anger. Um, the it, the star of the movie is Derek Luke, and this was his, like, big break. Uh, he's astonishing in it. It's I'm so upset he didn't get nominated for an Oscar. Not that you know that stuff is that important, but like, I mean, he's so brilliant in this movie, and it was just like such a phenomenal performance from him. There's also a brief but searing performance from Viola Davis, um, mm. who j- just continues to remind us that she's always been great. <laughs> uh, sure. You'll notice some other character actors kind of pop up here and there. There aren't a lot of big names in it. Outside of, of Denzel, who, of course, is great. Um, but yeah, just I really, really fell for it. It's it looks really great. Um, and I just can't say enough good things about the way it tells this difficult story that it is it, some of it's hard to watch, but it's not like I think it's rated PG-13. Like it's not, you huh. know, it, it knows how it might it might be R for language. I'm not sure, but it knows how to balance that. Like, here's what you need to know. But we're not going to hurt you because we want, we, we we want you to watch the movie. We want we want you to get to the end because it's very satisfying. And 
Uh, I watched it on HBO Max, and I think it's part of like a TCM film festival. There's a little like seven minute interview with Antoine Fisher uh, that I found really interesting as well. Um, just a great movie. Love Derek Luke. Love Denzel. Uh, it's called Antoine Fisher, spelled A N T W O N E. Fisher, F I S H E R. Um, and I, it's on HBO Max, but find it however you find movies. It's I really can't recommend it enough. It's a beautiful piece of work. I genuinely want to check that out. Yeah, I think you would like that, it, man. It, I have that on my list. Yeah, and the fact great, that it's on Max movie. makes things a lot easier. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. I, I, I have been wanting to, to get to Mitchell's versus the machine, but I don't have Netflix. So I'm just right. like, <laughs> I'll, I'll get to it one of these days. <laughs> um, Did I say on last episode, last week's episode? I can't quite remember when I finished it. I did finish The Wire. There you go. Oh, did you? Yeah, nice. I don't think you had last episode. So okay, I may have finished it like a day or two after we recorded. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it's wonderful. I love how it ends. Uh, it's cool. it's great. It is one cool. of the the great American TV shows. Um, and like I said, one of the things that I really like about it is kind of each season kind of explores new territory and kind of a new part of Baltimore. And one of the things that it really highlights is uh, media and specifically this newspaper. Um in Baltimore that's kind of covering these these murders that are a lot of interesting circumstances around them um and yeah. i i like how morally gray it gets um in terms of a lot of the characters and kind of where where they end up going uh i did go back and look at the reviews um cuz i was curious like do people have bad things to say about this and the one negative review i could find on on uh rotten tomatoes was from I I couldn't remember if it was specifically the paper that they use in the show uh, or if it's like it is a Baltimore newspaper. But they're uh, like, none of this is realistic and yada. And I'm like, you, you're just upset because they made you look bad. That's funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really, really loved it. Um, nice. Yeah, and it, it is one of my favorite TV shows now. Um, nice. So... Yeah, I think I watched the first season and I was just like, this is great and heavy. <laughs> yeah. So I'll ne- I need to like re-up and, and take on take it on again because I know that I'll enjoy or, you know, have a lot. I know that I will regard it very well. Yeah. And I think it's got the perfect balance of like giving all the right characters kind of proper send offs and like, I'm glad that that person got where they got. And, mm-hmm. and other characters that are more ambiguous, you say, OK, I, I accept that. Like, I understand sure. how they got there. And then, you know. Some great things not happen or happen to to some people, and like there's there's just a nice balance where it still feels realistic. It's not like we had to literally give everyone a happy ending, but it was sure. still satisfying in every regard. Gotcha. Which oh, is a awesome. very hard thing to do. I think Breaking Bad is the only one that has done that successfully. <laughs> nice. In oh, terms of like, in terms of like crime dramas and stuff where, where people sure. get shot and die. Sure. <laughs> I'm not asking friends to have an ambiguous ending. <laughs> Sorry, Ross. It's just the game. I mean, when you walk through the garden. <laughs> but yeah, The Wire. Uh, I cannot recommend it enough. It really is. Nope. like all, that, Going back to what you were saying earlier, Britain, the hype is is fully justified for The Wire. Awesome. That's awesome. There you go. Uh, I have a novel to recommend, uh, Mm. which is called Station Eleven, 
and <gasps> I finished it today uh, on on my lunch break at work, and then had to go back to work and process my emotions. Um, <laughs> it is the the specific so. I will say the the premise, I guess, is that it is about a uh, pandemic wiping out like most of humanity. So I I have I have had this book for like a year and a half. Can't couldn't tell you why I never got around to it before now, and just just never really grabbed me um, until uh, recently. Um, I really do think it is the perfect book to read to if if you are. Uh, I, I would consider us all lucky to be in a place where um, we're in the U.S. and our particular area is recovering from COVID. I think you know we're all we're all kind of getting there. Um, it is the perfect book, I think, to read to kind of remind yourself of humanity in moments of you know ju- just the, the past year, like. Ju- it is all about humanity and like reconnecting and finding a way to continue. Um, it's, it's an extremely like tender book. I would say it's, it's really just like basically as opposed to, you know, a walking dead or sure. the road <laughs> or, you know, this, the stand is probably a good comparison. It's not about like, oh, these characters have to fight to survive and like it's a harsh, cruel world and everything's evil. There is that like that's that's it's very realistic about, you know, what the the prospects for being a a survivor in a world like that would be. Um, But so much of the book is spent in flashbacks to before the pandemic um, in such a way that is it's not like, again, The Walking Dead or maybe like a lost would be a good mm. comparison because Lost has a lot of flashbacks to where people were before they got on the island. Um, it's it's not like that where it's like, oh, you need to see how they got here. It's like, these are people who die, like they get sick and die in, like in the first weeks of this pandemic hitting the world, but they have such a ripple effect on so many other people. And it's about like the people they affected learning to reconnect with the world. Um, it, it plays with mediums. It plays with just all sorts of stuff. I mean, the, the, the idea behind the title is that one of the characters writes a, and draws a comic book, uh, as like a, a labor of love over the course of their life. That is, uh, called station 11. And it's like this sci-fi premise and characters read it and respond to it. And like, it, it gets found during the, the kind of post pandemic years. It's, it's so hard to explain because the structure is crazy and the way it bounces back and forth between time and the way it explores different characters. It's, it's so like, I I was not expecting it to be done in the way it was. And I was just incredibly pleased and surprised the entire time. It's, it's not like, uh, again, it's not like a thriller. There, there is action. There is some, some tension, there is stuff that happens that is like, will, you know, grip you, but it's, it's just exploring humanity. It's, it's exploring, you know, the ability of humanity to, to, to recover and find their way back. Um, and I loved it. And, uh, yeah, I, that's, I'll leave it at that. Um, highly recommended. I, I really think it's worth going in and picking up and, and kind of 
reminding yourself of uh you know the, the way things were before a much less exaggerated but still obviously deadly and awful pandemic that affected the real world and the the book was written in like 2011 mm. um so it just happens to be kind of timely now uh yeah i think i think it's it's absolutely worth tracking down and kind of yeah just i I can't really explain without you reading the book, other than the fact that when you read the book, I feel like it it, it just immediately will capture you, uh, and you you get transported right back into the the world of it and engrossed in the way the off the author. I have the book somewhere. Was it Emily, probably Emily Saint Mandel? Yes, yes, okay. uh, that is exactly it. Uh, she, I think, just crafts a world that is so immersive and lovely and just like it's impossible to to put down like every time i would put it down and then i would come back to it and be like oh right i love this <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's probably the best way i can explain it yeah. that was a long ramble because i have a lot of thoughts about it but i also don't want to talk too much about it if anybody does go and actually read it because i i really i know i recommend lots of random things on the show this is a very like specific dedicated i think everyone should read this book right now <laughs> like yeah th- that has been on my list for a long time and i think Last year was one of those like, oh, maybe I'll get around to reading it. And I was like, may, may not be the right time. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that's good to hear. I'm glad you read it because I've really been that that's been one of my like whenever I look around and go, oh, what, I don't I don't know what I want to read next. That's one of the like rotating books. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's time for that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's also not super long. It's a oh, nice. It's a solid size novel. It's It's not like insane. Yeah. By any stretch. Tyler, I like that we all... Go ahead. I was just going to say, Tyler, you should have led with the phrase way back. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you make a face when I said that, and I didn't... Okay, fair. <laughs> should have led with that. Now everyone's, <laughs> everyone's going to read it now. <laughs> the novel could have been called The Way Back. Uh, and it's like just got like a poorly uh... photoshopped Ben Affleck face on the cover. <laughs> I, I wondered about saving Anton Fisher for next week, but I'm glad that we all recommended something we genuinely love in the yeah. in the wake of a movie we all were tepid <laughs> at best. Very on. ambivalent about, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, have we already announced what next week's movie is? Have you already said what the three movies we're doing are? I think I did. I think so? Uh, okay, cool. Yes. Go ahead and confirm it is uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, mm-hmm. A plus. Yeah, I mean, I think... Yeah, I, which I, I kind of like the if it, if we're gonna follow this movie, nothing again. This is not the worst movie we've ever seen by far, but like, I don't know. I, I like that. That's the next place we're going. Yeah, sure. Very exciting. A plus. Tyler, where can they find us? You can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at sequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, there's another one I'm missing. It's fine. It's out there. Go go take a look. It's in uh, internet. Reading <laughs> rainbow. Just open up your browser. Type here come the sequels. Drag that over to your search box. Mm-hmm. When you get the, you'll get an email. Well, click what you accept. really have to do, what you really have to do is take the computer out of the box that you bought it in. Right. <laughs> Set that up. If it's a laptop, you're gonna want to flip that laptop lid open. Otherwise, if it's a desktop tower. You're going to want to put that uh, underneath your desk. Oh, yeah, that's uh, a you're whole gonna connect other rigmarole. That to a monitor. This is a, you know, a big misconception is that, you know, a computer uh, is the monitor when the monitor is really just, it's like a TV that you're setting up with 
the computer so that you can actually display the information. Uh, you're probably going to want a keyboard and a mouse as well. Yeah. Um, now, do not do not get a mouse like Chuck E. Cheese. That is not the kind no, of mouse you need. No. I don't still don't really or, know why they're called that. A rubber um, mouse? No, we're we're talking nope. about a computer mouse. Yeah, and don't get. I mean, to do move your do, cursor. Do get the graphic novel mouse because it's a very effective yeah. uh, piece of, of education, <laughs> but not for this purpose. It won't do you any good. Yes. Now, um, Tyler, now you could probably spend your time reading the graphic novel about uh, the, the harrowing events of the Holocaust, um, as told through a, a metaphor meant to kind of sanitize the. The horror of it um you could spend your time reading that and it's a, it's a good novel um and it's probably more worth your time than listening to this podcast but once you're done with that once you've accidentally bought mouse have read the book and then <laughs> have proceeded to go continue <laughs> to set up your computer so that you can look us up you want to hook up that keyboard mouse yes tyler i've heard you need to contact an internet service provider that's true <laughs> what do they that's do true. exactly you you should uh work with uh, your local internet service provider and they will provide internet service actually mm -hmm. um and so then you're gonna ha you're gonna have to set up the modem you're gonna have to get the router going oh <laughs> now they're gonna you're uh, gonna hear a lot about home pages this mm -hmm. is where you're gonna start all of every time you go on your internet journey this is where it's gonna begin i personally like uh, the space jam website <laughs> um <laughs> Or pets.com, maybe like Dogpile is a good one. Because then you, you start and you're just right in there. You can just uh, search for whatever you need. But but what you really want to go to is the official search engine of Here Come the Sequels, which is Ask Jeeves. Um, <laughs> you'll type in here. Now, typing is important. Uh, when you type on the keyboard, every letter, every letter corresponds to a letter you can put into the computer to then make it show up on that monitor. So if you go and you type H, that's gonna send the message to the computer. But that, yeah, but don't don't worry about spelling. You don't have to spell out H phonetically to then tell the computer, "Hey, this is the letter." You don't have to go A I T C H it, or something. Just just the letter. It's sort of the Arabic character of H. It's it's, it's just more the three of us talking now. Nobody's listening anymore. <laughs> they've already they've either quit the podcast altogether or they're on to another episode it's, or it's they're taking sort of notes. <laughs> With their computer that we're teaching them how to use. Joseph, listen, send us a comment telling us you've learned how to use your computer. This you was all get, for you. Now, at some point, you'll get ner nervous because you think those flying toasters are going to come out of the screen at you. They are not. <laughs> that is just your screensaver. Now, your screensaver can be anything. <laughs> Preferably flying toasters, though. Yeah, or a bunch of pipes connecting and reconnecting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, your, uh, your kind of homework your bonus bonus task uh for today's lesson uh is actually to go on and uh get yourself a copy of microsoft office pull yourself up a word document and just mm -hmm. type a little something you know maybe you can start a diary yeah maybe just you practice. can maybe you can start writing that novel that you've been putting off you mm -hmm. know um <laughs> you're gonna hear a lot about qwerty that's a great that's a good that's a great place to start just kind of familiarize yourself with get with some the keyboard going. Mm -hmm. um there's you're going to be a lot of f commands i don't know what any of those do and a lot of punctuation that's going to be confusing and strange but you'll be okay there's also two places now, you can type numbers i don't know why that is now if you don't know how to write <laughs> <laughs> first you're going to want to get a pencil i like i like uh your classic graphite number two 
Which I don't, I've never seen a number one, so I don't know. I'm really tempted just end the podcast at if you don't know how to write. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think that would be a good idea. Another place you could end it is after we say this, which is I've been Britain. (laughs) I've been Tyler. Uh, And I've been Alex for whatever this was. Uh, (laughs) Crack an egg on it. You're having a good night.